Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about stress. Let's talk about stress, baby. Anyway, so here it is. It's Stress Awareness Month, so I couldn't think of a better topic to talk about. And you know, stress is all about perception. My stress is not your stress. The way that I perceive my stress has everything to do with my adaptability and my ability to walk my way through that stress journey. The other thing is we all experience different stress and we express we experience stress differently. So there's all these different dynamics that go into this big ball of stress. And one of the things that I find that is in our society, we sort of glamorize stress. If you're not stressed, then you must not be working hard enough. Or if you're not stressed, then maybe your life is just too easy. And so we get into this mindset that everybody should be stressed. But really, you know, I'm not going to talk about the science of stress today. I'm not going to talk about what stress does to your body and all those other things. What I'm going to talk about is 10 ways that we might be contributing to our own stress and what we can do to get out of that situation, to stop getting in our own way. So I want to tell you a little bit. First of all, you know, I'm Angie Miller. I'm an NASM master instructor, and I'm also a mental health therapist. And I came into my stress journey, if you will, a little bit differently. So in 2012, I was a caretaker for my mom, and I was also raising two teenage daughters. And my mom was um, struggling with a cognitive disorder, and uh, she has since passed. And during that time, it felt like my life was kind of in shambles. And believe it or not, at the time when I feel like my life might have been at its, at its peak of stress, um, we, oh, and not to mention, we had also just kind of moved into the Chicago area. So there's all that, too. So... I got a job teaching at a university, teaching stress management. And I remember calling a friend and saying, am I an imposter if I say yes to this job? If I say yes to the dress? No. Am I an imposter because I feel like, you know, I've got these two teenage daughters, I'm working, I'm traveling, um, my stress is really high, my family's kind of falling apart, my mom is sick. How can I teach about stress when I'm in the throes of stress? And my friend kind of talked me off a ledge and said, you know, the thing is, is that all of us go through stress and all of us experience stress. But who better to talk about stress than somebody who's in the throes of it, who has compassion and empathy for other people in their experiences? And I have to tell you, looking back at that time, I taught that course for five years and I taught multiple sections a semester, usually two a semester. Sometimes I think there may have been a time or two where I taught three. And a five-year journey that I took with my students where I really did a deep dive into stress, what it looks like on our body and our mind, but most importantly, what we can do to overcome stress. Because the number one thing that I talked about with my students is it's not about escaping stress. It's not like a car is coming our way and we're going to get out of the road. We can't escape stress. None of us are ever going to um, be able to have, live a life without stress. To a certain degree, stress is healthy. It's what motivates us to study for an exam or to get things done or to get up and go to work. There is good stress in our lives. You know, I remember getting married. That was stressful, but that was a good stress. 
So we're never going to escape stress, but we talked a lot about perception in that course. And that perception makes a pivotal difference in how we view our stress and whether or not we believe we have the tools to overcome it. And of course, that led into a whole semester of talking about resilience. So let's you and I do this deep dive. I'm gonna show you, or I'm gonna share with you 10 things that I do that I think we do to get in our way. And I'm going to kind of reframe those things and tell you some ways that we can get out of our way and look at our stress differently. Okay. So number one, and you've probably heard me say this before, because it's probably one of my favorite sayings. So bear with me. Number one, stop focusing on what you can't control. I know I had to do stop, you know, stop doing this because I figured that would get your attention. So I usually don't like to start with negatives, but that's where we're going today. So number one, stop focusing on things that you can't control. When we feel like we don't have control over a situation, it really takes our stress and it's like putting gas on the fire because all of us like to have this perception of control. So if you take away a person's perception of control, then they their stress goes up exponentially and they feel like they're like trapped in a cage and they don't know what to do. But the thing is, again, stress is perception and perception of control makes all the difference. When we focus on what we can't control, we feel more stressed, which is, let me give you an example. Many times my clients in mental health and also my clients in fitness, and I've been there, part of the problem is we focus on other people. How can we change other people? Oh, I have a dirty, dark secret for you. You can't, you cannot change other people. So if we're waiting for our spouse to change or we're waiting for our client to change and be on time, or we're waiting for our boss to change and become the boss that we want them to be, we're gonna be waiting for a heck of a long time. We can't control other people. We can't control circumstances a lot of times. I couldn't control that my mom was eventually going to pass. I couldn't control that I couldn't make my girls be little babies again and keep them at home. But my perception of control was, what can I do so that when that time comes and I'm not a caregiver and my daughters are gone, what can I do to reinvent myself and make an impact? And that's when I took this job teaching stress management. So I could pass the torch, so to speak, and leave my um, what I have learned with my students and allow them to continue to go out there and make a difference. That was my way of getting control. So that's my solution. Focus on what you can control. Focus on positive control. That's it. That's my favorite phrase, positive control. Where do you have control over this situation? What can you do to make a difference? It's not how can I change my spouse? It's what can I do to look at the situation differently and live my best life despite what's going on with my spouse, with my boss? How can I just focus on me and, and maintain positive control because we have more control than we think, right? And one of the things that we can do is we can set boundaries. That's where we have positive control, right? We can set boundaries. We can focus on positive change. So again, I went to the university because that was positive change. So instead of focusing on, I wish I could change my boss, maybe we could focus on how can I look for a job with a boss that might better suit me. So again, I'm Angie Miller. We are talking about stress and we are talking about 10 things we need to stop doing that exponentially drive our stress. And then I'm going to tell you some ways to reframe that. So number two, stop toxic thoughts. So we've heard about those toxic thoughts before. I call it negative internal dialogue or the radio station that keeps saying this 
playing the same song over and over again. And thoughts are habitual, right? When we, we think certain thoughts over and over again. And a lot of times there are dirty, dark secret. We don't tell anybody some of those darkest thoughts like, am I worthy? Am I an imposter? Am I good at what I do? But those are toxic thoughts. And sometimes we just play them over and over again. And I call those mental traps. And I've also, you know, I've touched on these in some of my other episodes, the masturbating. Albert Ellis talked about masturbating. I must do this. I must do that. And we masturbate ourselves all day. We talk about canting. I can't do that. The minute I hear somebody say, I can't do that, I just go, you're right. You can't. Because if they've already made up their mind that they can't, they're stuck in mud. They're not going anywhere. It's not until they give me and I'm willing to try that I can work with them. Another one that we do is we should ourselves. We should do this. We should do that. I should go to the gym. I should uh, be a better this. I should say yes to this person. But there are no shoulds. How about coulds? I could go to the gym because I would love to feel better. I could say yes to going to that party because I would love to network and meet new people. So let me give you some toxic thoughts. If you're wondering, well, what are toxic thoughts exactly? Because um, there is Daniel Amen calls them ants, automatic negative thoughts. And ants are the same thing as kind of those toxic thoughts. They're things like the should statements. Another toxic thought that we do is catastrophizing. So it's worst case scenario. You know, the sky is always falling or it's usually I call these absolutes always never. You're always late. He's never he never does what he's supposed to do. We catastrophize. Everything's a worst case scenario. Another toxic thought would be a mental filter. So sometimes we have this mental filter and we absorb the one negative comment. So if I go present at a convention and if I get 50 positive comments, but one person wrote a negative comment, I am guilty sometimes of having a mental filter where I focus on that one negative comment at the risk or at the expense of the 50 other positive comments. So mental filter is another toxic thought. Another one is all or nothing thinking. It's either all good or all bad. It's very rigid and inflexible thinking. Um, you know, it's it's kind of this or it's that. There's no nothing in between, okay? Another toxic thought is blaming where we have that external locus of control, where we blame other people for what happened. Well, if he hadn't been late, then this session would have gone better. If my client had done what I asked them to do, then they would be getting the results that they're looking for. And sometimes that might be true, but blaming is externalizing our locus of control. So it's giving our power away to other people. And it goes back to that what can I do to make my situation better? Where do I have positive control? Can I have a talk with my client about what that might look like? So it's taking that internal locus of control. So my solution to manage those toxic thoughts, because we all have them, no matter how positive minded we are, we all struggle with toxic, negative internal dialogue, at least once a day, probably, right? So my solution is to reframe. 
So reframing is like you have a picture in your home and it's been in that frame for 25 years. And so one day you go and you get a new fresh frame because it's a frame that's more in style. And all of a sudden the picture looks completely different and you see the picture through a new lens as if it's a completely different picture. In fact, I did that recently. I took an old, old picture that I used to have hanging and it looked very kind of old fashioned. And so I took it out and I painted the frame and all of a sudden and it looks like this updated version of the picture that I always knew that I loved. So sometimes we have to do that with our thoughts. We have to reframe our thoughts. We have to look at them differently. So because if we look at our thoughts differently, we experience our thoughts differently. So number one, I think it helps just to notice what, what are those negative toxic thoughts that you tend to struggle with? Because yours are gonna be different from mine. I know my negative internal dialogue. I know where I get lost. I get lost in perfectionism. I get lost in overthinking things. So notice them, write them down, and then ask yourself. A lot of times underneath the toxic thoughts is a layer of two things. It's either driven by anger or it's driven by fear. I'm not saying that's an absolute, but a lot of times it's coming from a place of anger or fear. And then the second thing we can do with that toxic thought is to um, replace it, okay? These are called replacement thoughts. So replacement thoughts are looking at our thoughts through a kinder lens, like getting rid of the absolutes. What if it's not always never, okay? What if sometimes it goes good, sometimes it goes bad, sometimes my boss is great, sometimes not so much, but it doesn't have to be absolutes. So again, I'm Angie Miller. We're talking about 10 things that we do to get in our own way that drives our own level of stress, and then I'm helping us reframe those 10 things. So right now I'm talking about toxic thoughts and what we can do to get out from underneath that negative internal dialogue. So noticing the thoughts and then replacing them with a kinder thought. Sometimes when I ask my clients to do this, I ask them, what would your best friend say if you told them that thought? Okay. Or what would your mom say? Or would you say that thought to your best friend or your mom? And if not, it's probably not something we, we should be saying to ourselves. We probably could be saying something kinder, okay? The other thing you can do is, number three, challenge your thoughts. So when it comes to toxic thoughts, you can notice them, replace them, and then you can challenge them. You can ask yourself a few questions. You know what, is this true? Is there another way that I would see this? What would my mom say about this? What would my best friend say about this, right? So toxic thoughts, all of us struggle with them. How can you reframe them? How can you look at them through a kinder lens? And if you need to, share them with somebody you trust and help them help you to reframe them. So number three, the third thing that we do to get in our way when it comes to stress is we need to stop asking why. Why? Why me? Why does this always happen to me? There's that absolute. Why do I have to go through this? Why is like a slippery slope. It's like a rabbit hole. We go inside of it and all of a sudden we are buried in this victim mentality of why, 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 why? Why am I having to struggle and suffer? And really why just focuses on the problem? And we don't get anywhere. We don't find a solution by focusing on the problem. That's like driving your car and you're lost. 
and you're focusing on why you're lost, <laughs> that would be really silly, wouldn't it? So you're sitting off on the side of the road going, why am I lost? I don't know, but does it really matter? Because is focusing on the problem gonna help you not be lost? Probably not. So why me is about focusing on the problem. My solution, ask what now? So don't ask why, ask what now? So you know what? I know I'm lost. What now? Now I need to get out my GPS. Maybe I get on my old school map and I figure out how to get to my destination. Okay, so I look at this like an archaeologist versus an architect. And if you're an archaeologist, I'm not throwing you under the bus. But here's the deal. Archaeologists dig, right? They excavate. They look for problems. They look at, maybe they don't look for problems, but they look at the past. They're looking at, you know, they're, they're focusing on the past. That's what archaeologists do by nature, right? But guess what? Architects create. They build. They look at what's possible. So instead of looking at the problem, they're looking at what's possible. That's what architects do. So architects seek solutions. So again, my solution, don't ask why, ask what now. So the next time you find yourself asking why, just say, but what now? Okay. So number four, when it comes to stress and ways that we get in our way, I have another one, stop being comfortable. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, I'm comfortable right now. I'm sitting down listening to you. But you know what? Our house is comfortable. Our car is probably comfortable. The people we know are comfortable. This is why we, we have these things in our world, because we like to be comfortable to a degree. But when's the last time that staying comfortable inspired you to go do something out of the ordinary? Sometimes we can get too comfortable being comfortable. And when nothing changes, nothing changes. So sometimes we are unhappy with the situation, but you know, the devil we know is better than the devil we don't. And so we just get a little bit comfortable griping about the situation, but we don't really want to do anything to change it. Right? So but at the end of the day, none of us are stuck. None of us are truly stuck. Remember, focus on positive control. We're not stuck in a situation. We really do have the ability to pull ourselves out, to pull up our boots and to figure out a way to make positive change. So my solution is get uncomfortable. Easier said than done, right? But ask yourself some questions. When was the last time? And I'll just let you finish that. When was the last time that you took a risk? When was the last time that you did something that made you really and truly uncomfortable that you had never done before? When was the last time that you had to really call on your courage in a situation? When was the last time that you really were seeking growth and opportunity? So instead of being comfortable, consider being uncomfortable. And one of the ways that I really help my clients do this is to start with really, really small things, okay? So if you have a very, very, very structured routine, it could be as simple as changing one small component of that routine and getting yourself just slightly uncomfortable so that you can experience what it feels like to not feel like you always have command over your situation. Because having command over our situation is great to a degree, but it gets us in this kind of place where we feel like we always have command over our situation. And again, we're not really very inspired to change with that situation when that's the case. 
Okay. So again, I'm Angie Miller. I'm talking about stress. Let's talk about stress. Okay. So here's another thing that we do to get in our, in our own way. Number five, stop taking life for granted. So I know that this is one of those that we, every station we turn on on the radio, every time we read a blog, every time we open up a new journal, it talks about gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And some people are like, I, I don't want to talk about gratitude. But the thing is, is that let's reverse gratitude. Gratitude is that we walk around in our world and we take the people and our experiences for granted. We assume that they'll always be in our life or we assume that we're always going to be able to have these experiences. But then, you know, COVID was a perfect example. What if we don't take life for granted? What if I don't take for granted that, um, you know, I've been working with clients individually and working in a fitness room on a fitness floor for decades. And all of a sudden I wasn't able to do that. What if I don't take for granted that I saw clients in mental health and all of a sudden I didn't, I talked to them over the phone or saw them through, through a computer screen. So what if we don't take life for granted and we don't assume that things will always be the way they are? So my solution is to, of course, practice gratitude, right? And people do that in different ways. Some people say, I don't put my feet on the floor in the morning until I list 10 ways that I'm grateful. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Some of us journal about things that we're grateful for. But really what gratitude does is it just builds personal self-compassion and it also builds compassion for those around you i used to with my students i would teach something called nikon therapy and it originated in japan and it was a method of self-reflection on on how we interact with the world and it was it was three questions that you would ask yourself every day and one of them was what did i do for others today and another one was in what way might i have caused problems for other people today and I can't remember the third one, but basically it was a way of looking at yourself through the lens of other people and really recognizing how am I putting myself out there and showing up to the world? How can I be my best self to the people that I care the most about? Some people practice gratitude by meditating. However you want to practice gratitude, it really has been evidence-based supported that practicing gratitude really lowers stress and kind of helps mitigate anxiety. All right. So hopefully you're still with me because that was only number five. We are halfway through the things that we do to get in our own way. And truth be told, if I could have all day, I could probably go on all day and talk about different things that we do. But I tried to pick my top 10 favorite things. If you have any questions as I'm going through this, though, or you have any thoughts, submit them on the chat because you know what? They'll send them right over to me and I will I will give you a shout out and I will address it right here when we're live on the show. Okay. So again, I'm Angie. I'm so glad you're here. We are talking about stress because it is stress awareness month. And we're talking about things that we do to get in our own way. So number six, here's another stop. Stop. I should have brought a stop sign to hold up. Stop trying to give away what you don't have. So I'm guilty of this. And I bet you are too, because we are helping people. 
We always feel like we aren't doing our job unless we empty our bucket every day. But what if emptying our bucket isn't always the best way? Sometimes we think we can give away what we don't have. And I always use that oxygen mask analogy and everyone uses it. The one on the plane where don't put on, don't, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. We really have to save ourselves before we can save other people, right? We can't be there for everyone all the time. And I talked about in my last podcast, I talked about um, vampires, energy vampires. And I talked about the martyrs who say, but everyone needs me. Everyone needs me. And I talked about how sometimes if we're very codependent, it's not so much about everyone needs me as it is I need to be needed. So we need to do a self-check on that. How much do other people really need us or how much do we just need to be needed? So stop trying to give away what you don't have. And my solution, drum roll, please practice self-care. Okay. If we're practicing self-care, we are never allowing ourselves to get to empty. Our bucket's never going to get to empty because we know the power of filling it back up. So self-care is as simple as setting boundaries. It's as simple as saying no. It's as simple as building a safe network. You know, those victim vampires, and I talked about those, make sure those are way further than arm's length and keep the people close to you, close to you. Build a safe network. Another way to practice self-care is to have a safe space. You know, the space that I'm sitting in right now, this is my safe space. It is when we moved into this house, it was a 400 square foot bonus room. And my husband had told me he was going to make it a man cave. And I was like, hold on. We had to step outside away from the realtor and talk about why it wasn't going to be a man cave. And I turned it into a fitness room, a meditation studio, a yoga place, and just a place for me to come up here to talk to you and to have that safe space, a place where I can come collect my thoughts, decide what's working, let go of what's not working, reframe, do all the different things that I can do to get my head in a better space because I can only show up to the world as good as I show up to myself. We're kidding ourselves if we think that we don't need to do self-care, but that we can just keep giving everything away. Um, that's a false narrative and that only works for so long, right? So, that's my solution, okay? Practice self-care. Try not to give away what you don't have, all right? So let's talk about stress. Let's talk about another thing that we do. Number eight, stop the clutter. What? Okay, so here's another thing. We moved here three years ago from Chicago to Charlotte. And my husband comes first. I'm finishing my job at the university. I'm letting go of my clients in mental health. I'm doing a slow pull away from everything that I love. My, my clients in fitness, you name it. Takes me a long time to get there. And in the meantime, we put all our stuff in storage. And I mean a lot of stuff. So 11 months later, my husband says, what do you want to do with all this stuff when we get to Charlotte? And I said, burn it. I was kind of spicy at the time. I really didn't mean that. But the thing is, in teaching stress management for five years, 
one of the number one things that I talked about with my students was the power of living with less. Remember when tiny homes was all the rage? Well, I think it still is actually, but living with less, simplifying our life. And I'm not just talking about living with less physically. I'm talking about living with less emotionally, not trying to hold on to so much stuff. So when we moved here, we have this very, very small attic. So we really did get rid of a ton, a ton of stuff. Okay. And we kept only what we needed because that's really what matters the most. So personally, a lot of stuff makes me personally kind of anxious and agitated. You know how you like before I go on vacation, I have to make sure my house is clean because I have to come home to a clean house. So it's all about living with less and simplifying our life, not feeling like when you come home, there's this like, it's feeling like you own your space instead of your space owns you. So my solution is clear away the clutter. So I already explained some of the ways that I clear away the physical clutter. And you know what? There are coaches out there you can hire to help you clear physical clutter. That one's easy. As far as clearing away the emotional clutter, one of my favorite ways to clear away my emotional clutter is to journal. I have bags and bags and bags of journals. Um, I also have a plan B for who's going to take care of those. Should I go and uh, I, I need somebody to take care of those so that everybody doesn't read them and turn them into a book. But journaling is a really, really great way to get rid of our emotional clutter. Okay. It's a great way to let go of whatever's on our mind. I used to always journal on paper. Now I actually journal on my iPhone. I open up my notes on my phone and I journal whatever is weighing me down the most because I get it out from here and from here and I put it somewhere and it has so much less power over me, right? It's a good way for me to take my power back. All right. So stop the clutter. And the way that you do that is to clear away the clutter or stop living with clutter. And the way you do that is to clear away the clutter. All right. Number eight, stop overcommitting. So we are talking about 10 ways we get in our way to get rid of stress. So this is stop overcommitting. So here's the thing. We are yes, 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 yes. And we think we can do it all. And we think that time expands in proportion to the number of hours in the day or in proportion to our commitments. But guess what? Time does not expand in proportion to our commitments. Time stays the same no matter how many times we say yes to something or take on a new project. So stop overcommitting with your friends, with your relationships, with your job. Try to know your limits and know how many hours you have in a day and be reasonable. So my solution is not only know your limits, but know your values. This comes down to what are our personal values. And I always ask my clients in training and in mental health, what are your values? What do you care about the most? What, do you, what kind of mark do you most want to leave on this world? Who means the most to you? And how do you most want to show up for those people? What do you most want to accomplish before your day is done? So stay true to your values. And I guarantee you, you'll let go of the peripheral stuff. So, you know, I'm famous for saying, but I love everything I do. And years ago, a friend of mine said, you can love a few things that you do, 
but you don't have to love everything that you do all at once. You can just love a few things and do them exceptionally well. So sometimes we have to let go of the peripheral. We have to let go of the stuff that yes, we love doing it, but does it ultimately align with our values? And does it ultimately get us where we want to go? Because you know, we do have a destination if we're setting our goals. And so we really have to stay true to that destination along the way and make sure that our roadmap aligns up with us getting there so we don't lose our way, okay? All right, number nine, stop being inflexible. What? Stop being rigid. I know nobody likes that word, but you know what? Rigidity is no one's friend. So if we are too rigid, if we are too caught up in the musts and the shoulds, and we get caught up in these inflexible thought patterns, then there's nowhere to move. Remember, if I can't, then I can't. There's nowhere to move. So the more attached we are to our plans and how things should go, the more upset we get when things don't go that way. And sometimes we should other people and then we get mad at them if they, things don't go our way. But my solution to this is focus on flexibility. Bend like Gumby, do backflips, do whatever you need to do. If you're going to focus on flexibility in your training, focus on flexibility and your mental adaptability. Because again, rigidity is no one's friend. Yes, we might have thought that things should go a certain way. But guess what? For all the times that I thought things should go a certain way, they absolutely did not go that way. In fact, they went someplace very, very different. So I had to focus on flexibility and say, okay, what if they weren't meant to go that way. What if things were meant to turn out this way? Maybe it's not the way that I thought it was gonna turn out. Maybe it's not the way I thought it was gonna go, but what if I were able to adapt? And what if I were able to make this situation work to my advantage? What if I can learn something from this situation, okay? Because really resilient people are very, very flexible people. And those people who are high stressors, who are high responders is what I like to call, those people tend to have very rigid thought patterns, okay? So number 10, stop huddling everything up. That's my last stop doing this. If we wanna stop getting in our way, try to stop bottling everything up. My solution, talk to someone, find someone you trust not ruminate about it, but find an external person, somebody who's unbiased. I know I'm biased here because I work in the space of mental health, but even if it's your trainer, find somebody who's unbiased, somebody who doesn't know your family or your spouse or your situation personally, somebody who can help you look at your thoughts through a different lens, somebody who can help you prevent you from getting upstairs in your head and staying there for too long and then closing the door and locking up the attic and not being able to see your world differently because all of us need tools to help see our world through a different lens. Okay. So instead of bottling everything up and staying up there for too long of a period of time, know when you need to get help, know when it helps you to talk to someone. Uh, every therapist out there who I think is worth their weight as a therapist should be talking to somebody because you can only take someone as far as you've gone yourself. Hopefully most all of us out there at some point in our journey have talked to someone professionally to really lay out what's going on in our, in our emotional landscape and to see if we're doing the best things that we can be doing to live our best life. So, ah, that was a lot, wasn't it?
So let me kind of go back through those 10 things that we do to get in our own way. And I'm going to have to make sure that I look at my notes that I don't miss any of them. But when we are talking about stress, remember that stress is perception. It's how whether or not we perceive that we have the tools to overcome stress that makes all the difference. And remember not to be a stress hater. The person who looks at somebody else and says, I can't believe they're stressed about such and such. Because remember that things come our way at a time when we can manage them. And what stresses me doesn't stress you. And it just could be that that person, that's their tolerance. And thank goodness, maybe your tolerance is different. Maybe you have a higher tolerance. So let's go back through those. Number one, stop focusing on what you can't control. And the solution is focus on what you can control. Number two, stop toxic thoughts, those masturbating and the canting and the shooting of yourself. And my solution is to reframe those thoughts, okay? Maybe reframe those thoughts and look at them through a different lens, just like putting a picture in a different frame, replace them with kinder thoughts, use a friend or a family member to help you with those replacement thoughts, and then challenge them. Ask yourself, are these really true? Or is this just a song that I keep playing over and over again on the radio to where it's so habitual that I believe my own thought, even if it's my own false narrative? Okay. Number three, stop asking why. It doesn't matter. Why am I lost? I don't know. Because I'm always lost. Literally, I'm directionally impaired. It doesn't matter why I'm lost. Instead, ask what now? Okay. Seek a solution. Be an architect. Build a solution instead of being an archaeologist and looking at why and trying to dig up the past. Figure out what now? What can I do to move forward? Number four, stop being comfortable. And of course, the solution is get uncomfortable, right? Nobody ever made a lot of progress by sitting on their couch for too long, okay? The next one, stop taking life for granted. Stop taking people, your world, and your experiences for granted. And of course, the solution is to focus on gratitude. Number six, stop trying to give away what you don't have. What? I know we can't, you know, nobody can drink from an empty well. So my solution is to practice self-care. And I know it seems so simple, but it is, it's a challenge for those of us who like to give away what we don't have. The next one was, oh, I forgot my notes. What was it? What was my next one? I know that it was, oh, I know, be flexible, stop being rigid, okay? Focus on flexibility, okay? Flexibility is the name of the game. Learning how to be flexible in our thoughts and learning how to be flexible in our expectations, okay? And the next one is uh, stop bottling everything up, right? Remember, you need to talk to somebody. It's okay if you need to talk to somebody at some point in your life. Okay, so those are my 10 ways that we get in our own way. If you have any questions, by all means, even if you didn't join us now and you're watching live later, you can submit those questions. I will get to them. I will answer them or you can email me personally. So my name is Angie. I'm so happy that you joined me here. Keep doing what you love and loving what you do. I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.